You may recall, I hope, that the Old Testament tabernacle was the first literal physical dwelling place that God commanded to be built for him. God wanted to dwell among his own people. And of course, one day in eternity future, God will perfectly dwell with his people in the new heavens and the new earth. But even as far back as the children of Israel, God wanted a place built, a portable place built that he could dwell with his people, the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a mobile, movable complex that was repeatedly put up and repeatedly taken down as God led his multiple million people group called the Jews around in the wilderness. The tabernacle had fabric walls that walled in a large area. Within that area, moving in from the one gate into the tabernacle, which was on the east side where the sun rose in the morning, the same east side that Jesus Christ will enter the gates of the old city of Jerusalem to take and assume Davidic throne of David, literally, to rule and to reign for a thousand years on planet Earth, that east side. Fabric walls surrounded the tabernacle complex, and within that area, moving in the only gate into the inside of the tabernacle's curtains, on the east side, you first encountered the altar of burnt offering. And still moving west into the tabernacle complex, next you came upon the bronze laver, and then you saw the tent. In the tent were two places. The first place was the holy place inside the tent, and it had the table of showbread and the golden lampstand and also the altar of incense. That was what was called the holy place. It was inside the tent, which was inside the walls of the complex of the tabernacle. But there was a curtain inside the tent that separated the holy place from the holy of holy places or the most holy place. And in the most holy place, there was one thing, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the only thing inside the most holy place, inside the tabernacle's tent, which was inside the fabric walls of the tabernacle. Now, I want to make some very quick observations with you about the tabernacle. I think that you'll see that by design, the tabernacle pointed to the person and to the work of the future Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The first observation I have with you is that God literally dwelt in the tabernacle in the most holy place between the cherubim wings on the mercy seat, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, God's Shekinah glory dwelt. Christ, in the Gospel of John, and ascribed to Christ in the Epistle to the Romans, Christ himself is called the mercy seat. Observation two. The tabernacle was not outwardly beautiful. Fabric walls surrounding an altar, a laver, and a tent. Isaiah 53 verse 2 predicted of Jesus, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Christ's handsomeness was of character and of heart not necessarily outward appearance. 
The next observation I'd like to share is that the tabernacle was where God lived with Israel in the Old Testament. John 1 verse 14 tells us that Jesus tabernacled among us in his earthly ministry. John 1.14 teaches us that Jesus pitched his tent, pitched his tabernacle among those alive on earth at the time of his public ministry. It goes on to say, and the word, Christ, was made flesh and dwelt literally tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The next observation I'd like us to make is that four of the main building materials of the Old Testament's tabernacle were the following, by God's prescription. Acacia wood, gold, silver, and bronze. Acacia wood, gold, silver, and bronze. Acacia wood, gold, silver, and bronze. And each of these has a special meaning relative to Christ. Wood is picture of Christ's humanity. Gold is a picture of Christ's holiness. Silver, a picture of the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. Bronze, a symbol of judgment. Another observation about this tabernacle, as you first entered the tabernacle, as I've told you from the one gate in the fabric walls around the whole complex, the gate that's on the east side, Everything you encountered first was bronze, a picture of judgment. Everything you encountered as you entered the east gate into the wall of the tabernacle was bronze, a picture of God's righteous judgment against sin. What did you encounter when you entered the tabernacle complex through the east flap and the wall? You encountered bronze pillars, a bronze altar, a bronze laver, And even the courtyard posts were set in sockets of bronze. God wanted the average Israelite who entered into the tabernacle complex through the only flap gate in the fabric wall around the tabernacle to see bronze, 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 bronze. His righteous wrath judgment against sin. Brings us to... The familiar verse may never become commonplace verse, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Bronze. However, after you got past the bronze things, the judgment symbols, you came to the door of the tent. The door of the tent, the door into the holy place partition with the inside of the tent. The place that was neighbor to the most holy place inside of the tent. The next observation I want us to see is that inside the tent, if you got inside the tent, you saw furniture. You saw gold covered wood furniture. Remember, gold is a picture of holiness. When you got into that tent, you saw gold covered furniture. There was a set, a prescribed configuration for these pieces of furniture in the tabernacle in the tent. And do you know what the specified pattern was? From an aerial shot, it was a cross, a perfect cross. 
the pieces of gold-covered furniture, a picture of the holiness of God, these pieces of furniture had to be arranged in a certain prescribed way, and that certain prescribed way was in the shape of a cross when you look down on it. And so in John chapter 3, starting to read at verse 14, we see Jesus said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. As you may remember from Israel's history, Moses' snake was lifted up on a pole and the Israelites were healed of their diseases by trusting in that arrangement. And of course, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was later lifted up on the Roman cross of crucifixion, and Jews and Gentiles alike are forgiven to this day of their sins by trusting in that person and that provision on that cross of the finished work and the precious atoning blood of Jesus Christ that this table reminds us of. Christ is in the Old Testament tabernacle. And so let me close this little thought with a couple more observations. Observation. In tabernacle times, all salvation came by entering the tabernacle by the one and only gate to the east. You could simply not get inside the tabernacle if you tried to from any other gate but one. It was on the east. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said the familiar and narrow truth words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes, the gate of the tabernacle, ultimately look forward to the gate of Jesus Christ, his person and his work. Another observation, this communion Sunday night, are you saved? Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work? Have you come through the only gate God will provide into his holiness, into his forgiveness, the gate who is Jesus? I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about your child. I'm not talking about your mama or your daddy. Have you been saved? If not, this evening is an evening of salvation. You confess your sins to the Lord, transfer your trust to him alone, and God will give you forgiveness, heaven as a gift, and a brand new life to live out. You'll be a new creation in Christ. If you want to talk to anybody, I'll be more than happy to talk with you after we dismiss. The tabernacle's walled fence kept all of God's presence clearly distinct from the rest of the camp. And Ephesians 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we know that to be true in our own lives. We know that to be true in the lives of people we observe. And the entrance into that tabernacle complex, as I've been making the point, was only one entrance, and it was on the east side. 
There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ and his shed blood, which the Lord's table represents. When we take the cup of juice, we're reminding that that is a picture, that is a symbol, that is a reminder of Jesus' precious blood shed for us. In 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12, God is dogmatic because all truth is dogmatic. God is narrow because all truth is narrow. 1 John 5, 11, and the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Next thing I want to share with you as we near the end of this little devotion, the priest had to enter with blood from the sacrificial lamb. Christ is now known to be the lamb of God for sinners slain before the foundation of the world. He is our blood offering to pay for our sins. There is no other acceptable remedy for sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Romans 5 and verse 9 puts it this way, much more than having now been justified by his blood, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Implication being, if we are not justified by Christ's blood, we shall not be saved from the wrath of God through him. Israel only had to accept salvation by believing. And we, as the church age followers of Jesus, it's the same way. In Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 30, and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household, that is, you in your household who will also believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves, they too will be saved. Israel only had to accept salvation by believing, and so it is for us in the church age. God wants us to place our trust, our confidence, on the finished work of his son that this table reminds us of. And so we see in the Old Testament tabernacle in an overview way, in a fast little study, we see Jesus Let's tonight make the connection between the two. May the connection between the Old Testament tabernacle and the Lord Jesus Christ inform our understandings of a few verses. Like 1 John 2, verse 2. He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Or Hebrews 8, 5 that I cited by way of reference earlier, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. 
This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. In Exodus 25, 40. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. The tabernacle, by God's gracious design, was the Israelites' Bible containing the plan of salvation for them and for all of mankind. We come to the table to remember Christ. The last thing I'll share is that when you look at the Old Testament prescribed law for the tabernacle, a post from the Holy of Holies could never be taken outward and used elsewhere in the tabernacle when they were re-erecting the tabernacle. A post from the Holy of Holies could never be taken outward and used elsewhere in the tabernacle, but a post from elsewhere in the tabernacle could, in some circumstances, be moved into it, into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because you cannot take something that is holy and make it less holy, but you can take something that is less holy and make it more holy. That's what God in Christ has done with you and me. God has taken something that was less holy and he has made us more holy to his glory and praise. Oh Lord, we thank you tonight for all that we've seen about Jesus' cause of death, the tabernacle and how you prescribed to be outlaid and ranged to point to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that our lives would be so arranged that they too would point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we come now to examine ourselves, we would not examine ourselves in our own smarts, but we would ask you to examine us by your Holy Spirit. If there would be any unconfessed sin in my life, if there would be any unconfessed sin in the lives of my brothers and sisters, oh God, help us to pause as we hold the elements to confess sin that needs to be confessed, to experience that cleansing you've promised, and to follow through with the taking of the elements without distraction or accusation from the evil one. May this time of worship and communion be very, very precious. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen.